All right, all right. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Relationship Stuff 101 podcast here on this May 31st, 2021. I got a special one for y'all today, ladies and gentlemen. I did this podcast last year. But I can't go without doing this podcast this year because this year marks the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa City Massacre, also known as Black Wall Street. So Without further ado, we're going to get right into it. I've done a nice amount of research. And I got some things that I want to talk about here with you guys today. To talk about this incident. An incident that the city of Tulsa has tried to say never occurred or it may be cause a blemish to be put upon the city shedding a dark cloud over that city but sometimes when we hide things and we keep secrets that's where we create the dark cloud the dark cloud is not created by the history the dark cloud is created by hiding the history When we talk about the history, we shed light and we bring light upon subjects. Subjects that were submerged and now are coming to the forefront. I want to talk first about Red Summer of 1919. Many black people, many black men coming back home to America after fighting in World War I was searching for their freedom. They felt as though if they fight over there or fought over there in World War I and they helped America win this battle why can't they come home and enjoy the fruits of their labor? Why do they still have to be hated on? And why do they still have to be marginalized? And why do they still have to be lynched? And why do they still have to be treated as though they are not human? You know, 1% of the population. Why do they still have to be treated this way? These men these servicemen who served their country. Also, it's Memorial Day, so salute to those servicemen. Those servicemen who served their country and they fought hard to bring home the win for America only to come home and still lose. Thanks to a movie that came out in 1915 called The Birth of a Nation, We've seen the rise of the Ku Klux Klan 
and that rise of the Ku Klux Klan became something that was sort of a hindrance to people of African descent because these people still felt as though black people were nothing more than servicemen as in serving them not serving their country so these black men went out and they tried to claim their piece of the American dream and in these fights they ran into a lot of um, backlash and they ran into a lot of avenues that were not fit for them to walk down race riots broke out all across America Chicago DC even one of the worst race riots that broke out in Elaine Arkansas on September 30th and last all the way till October 1st on September 30th a white officer was killed by a group of black sharecroppers so an army of 500 men white men was put together to come to Aline, Arkansas and kill all of the black sharecroppers in which they were successful in killing 200 black people excuse me black people all across America were doing their due diligence to build up and to live and to bring that American dream to life as I mentioned in the podcast last year Oklahoma was a free state once Oklahoma became a state Oklahoma went right under the segregation laws the Jim Crow law and the city itself was separated into the north and the south Red Summer brings us to Tulsa, Oklahoma May 30th 1921 Tulsa was separated by train tracks. On one side of the tracks, you had a booming oil business. Oil industry ran by men of European descent, building, thriving, and pursuing their part of the American dream. On the other side, you have what is considered one of the most prominent black communities of that time. Booker T. Washington went on to say that this neighborhood was so prominent and was building so fast and was so successful that he adorned the name Black Wall Street upon this neighborhood such a joyous 
and wonderful place for someone to call home who is a black man trying to find his piece of the American pie after 1919. After a long day of shining shoes and doing his due diligence, Dick Rowland goes over to an office building, which is known as the Drexel Building. Now, back then, as you know, most of the restrooms were segregated. Whites only here, blacks only here. But Dick Rowland had an agreement with the owner of the Drexel Building that they can use his restrooms when need be. So instead of using the black bathrooms, which were less cared for, he decided he would go over to the Drexel building and use the bathrooms which were cleaner. Upon his arrival at the Drexel building, he steps onto an elevator. Now, these elevators, if you don't know what these elevators look like, they look like freight elevators. I don't know if you ever saw the elevator back in the day where you have a, a latch that you pull forward and when you pull that latch forward that latch makes the elevator go up and down they used to have people control the elevator instead of you having to push buttons they used that latch and they had someone working it the young white teenager who just so happened to be working it that day. Sarah Page. Is greeted by Dick Rowland. And as Dick Rowland steps onto the elevator he trips and tries to use Sarah for balance. As he touches Sarah, she yelps and is heard by someone else working in the building. And as she screams, I'm sure Dick ran out of the elevator because ladies and gentlemen, you're a 19 year old black boy in 1921 if a white girl screams you know automatically to get the hell out of there because the only thing left for you at that point is death So Dick Rowland makes it off of the elevator and he makes it home. Later on that day, 
a group of white extremists, we'll call them, goes to his house and brings Dick Rowland to the other side of the tracks, to the courthouse, where Dick Rowland would be tried and executed, <coughs> excuse me, all in the same setting. <coughs> excuse me, guys. The newspapers. Now this is this is no longer May 30th. This is May 31st, which is today, a hundred years ago. The newspaper article reads: Negro will be lynched tonight. It goes on to say that Dick Rowland didn't assault Sarah Page, but raped Sarah Page, <clears throat> which angered the people on the other side of the tracks. Not having a nigger feel as though he can assault a white woman and get away with it. This group storms upon the courthouse demanding he be hanged immediately. Now, remember the summer, red summer, those World War I veterans that wanted their piece of the American pie. The same men, men like B.C. Franklin, came down to the courthouse as well with rifles, but with their guns, demanding that Dick Rowland be set free. As they approach, an altercation happens. And accidentally, a gun goes off. Once that gun goes off, someone is killed. After that, all hell breaks loose. For 16 hours, Black people in Greenwood, Black Wall Street, will suffer at the fate of these angry white people. So what did they do? First, they started to bomb the businesses. And they went along the streets killing anybody of African descent. That's man, woman, and child. Now, I was horrified to find out that there were even white children walking the streets, shooting other black children as well. Along with the bombings, 
and the mass murder that was already taking place on the streets as people are running for cover out of their homes trying to flee and find some way to get away from this mob private airplanes are now flying overhead dropping hold on guys turpentine from the airplanes now I want you guys to understand this is these are Americans we're talking about and these airplanes are dropping bombs basically on them like they're the enemy ridiculous cruel hatred and for what a misunderstanding that occurred inside of an elevator people or more died that day the actual number of people that died that day is not known because uh, as they killed the people they burned a lot of the bodies and buried those bodies in mass graves we'll get into the mass graves here in a little bit 800 people were injured and 8,000 people were left homeless. Now Greenwood had a population of 11,000 people, which means over half or more than half of the city was left homeless and left in ruins. I'm gonna leave some pictures attached to the thumbnail of this podcast so you guys can see what I'm talking about. I implore you to look up and learn more about this incident today when you hear this podcast 100 years ago. I learned a little bit about Viola Fletch. Who is Viola Fletch? Viola Fletch right now is about 108 years old. She was actually seven years old when the Tulsa riots took place. And she says that she could still hear black people screaming. She remembers seeing black men shot dead and their bodies falling to the ground. She remembers hearing the airplanes fly above her head and she can still smell the smoke and she lives this moment over and over and over again and this happened a hundred years ago so guys we're talking about PTSD here we're talking about this elderly woman suffering from post-traumatic stress 
disorder and not receiving any type of respirations for it. Once again, she was even told by the city council when she tried to seek respiration by year 70. But they told her that the incident never took place and it never happened. Because as I mentioned, the powers that be in Tulsa wants to hide this secret and keep the good name of Tulsa, Alabama alive and they don't want this evil act to destroy the name of Tulsa. Now, guys, I've only learned about Tulsa, Alabama through this incident. And I'm sure many of you who are going to lay your ears upon this podcast, you're going to learn about Tulsa through this incident. Or you already might know, or you probably already heard of Tulsa. Viola Fletch just did a speaking at Congress. And I implore you guys to look that up as well. It's on YouTube. It's where I found out about her. Because I didn't even know there were any survivors. And apparently she's not the only one that has survived to live. And to have to live those days over and over and over again. Prayers go out to Viola. May God deliver her her justice that she so desperately seek. It's crazy, guys, when that angry mob was standing outside of that courthouse. It was just regular men, regular white men, outside the courthouse, upset. The police commissioner, he did not have enough officers to calm the crowd as the crowd started to grow and get out of control. So what he does is he basically right there he deputizes 500 of the men outside of the courthouse and makes them officers. And they all partake in the tragedy that took place that day. just crazy guys this took place like I said for 16 hours all the way into June 1st after hour 16 the National Guard finally stepped in and said this shit has to end after 16 hours after 300 people were killed 800 people was injured 8,000 people are left homeless they decide to step in and say this shit gotta come to an end you trying to tell me y'all didn't hear those planes flying overhead you trying to tell me from a distance you can't see the smoke guys when you see the pictures that smoke had to be seen for miles you didn't hear the bombs how long did it take y'all to get there I wonder where the National Guard was located at. How far away from Tulsa was the National Guard located? 
I'll do my research. I implore you guys to as well. How far was that National Guard located? And where the hell was it? Now, about those uh, mass burials. A woman by the name of Phoebe Stubberfield in 1997 she tried to look for these bodies. She says she tried for 20 years to look for the bodies in these mass graves and she came up unsuccessful until last year when they found and they searched the mass graves and it started on July 13, 2020. And they actually found 12 unmarked coffins that were excavated. It's believed that these unmarked coffins, excuse me, contains the bodies of those people who were buried and none of them received proper burials. These bodies were found in Oak Lawn Cemetery there in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They were found in a section of the cemetery called Pottersville. That's back when uh, they had a segregated cemetery, if you want to say, and they buried the people of African descent in Pottersville, in that area of the cemetery. You, any of you guys from Tulsa listening to this, you may be... Uh, you may have better access and go find out this area I'm talking about. If you guys visit Tulsa, Oklahoma, if you're ever in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you may want to ask the person who works at the cemetery to show you where is Pottersville located. Has become to a close, guys. I want to tell you about another person from Black Wall Street by the name of Lula Williams. Lula Williams actually built one of the theaters there in Black Wall Street. B.C. Franklin, who you heard me mention, was a prominent businessman. There were lots of people of African descent who was just trying to get their piece of the American pie. They was building something up that they thought was their own. If these people don't want us in their bathrooms, if these people don't want us in their theaters, if these people don't want us in their churches, if these people don't want us near their children, if these people don't want us in their schools, we will take this part of town and we will turn it into our metropolis. And that's what it was. It was their metropolis, guys. It was something they could call, you guys, we all were kids. Remember you was 10 years old and you got your favorite toy for Christmas or first time you probably played baseball and you hit that home run or if you played football and you made that touchdown or you played basketball and you dunked or you made a layup. 
you ran track and you broke the goal and you came in first place or you were a cheerleader, you did your first backflip, you know? Or you played softball and you threw your first pitch. You went swimming and you could swim and go farther. You jumped in eight feet with no problem. All of these accomplishments, all of these things that made you feel good, all of these things that made you feel great and made you feel like a person and made you feel like you had some type of self-worth here on this blue giant that we call Earth. All of this, all of this that just made you feel as though you have conquered everything that was told to you was unconquerable, if that's a word, for someone to get into a small incident, only only Sarah Page and Dick Rowland knows what happened that day. Uh, Dick Rowland was taken out of town the morning of May 31st when all of the rioting took place. He was already out of town, never to be heard from again. He never even came back to Tulsa. I think he's, he settled somewhere up north. I can't remember where it was at. I looked at, it go back to my podcast last year, guys. I actually said where Dick Rowland lives at, I believe. I put it in my podcast from last year. Um, the name of that podcast is uh, Remembering Black Wall Street. Um, I did that podcast with uh, Reverend uh, Casey from Tulsa, Oklahoma. If any of you guys from Tulsa hear this podcast, uh, yes, I did that podcast last year with him, and I had to do this again on his 100-year anniversary, but do not let me get away from my closing um, speech, guys. You attain everything that's attainable. Everything they said you couldn't get, you built it. You built it with your own money. You were on the way to being wealthy and creating wealth for generations. Can you imagine what Tulsa, Oklahoma would be right now had this never happened? It would be the Mecca of black success or what we know as black excellence. It would be the Mecca of that and it is the Mecca of that. Let me not say that. I'm not going to take that away from I'm not going to take that away from them guys there in Greenwood. It's not known as Greenwood no more, but I'm not going to take that away from them guys in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It is the mecca of black excellence. One of the buildings, guys, one of the buildings that was the first business opened is still there in Tulsa. It it somehow survived. The bombings. It's still there. Um, Once again, I I forgot the name of the building. I implore you to check out my other podcast um, because I I, I said the exact name of that building. It's sitting right on the corner. It's down the street from any of you guys from Tulsa. It's right down the street from the museum. Well, it's actually a museum itself, and it's right down the street from a baseball field that's there in Tulsa. It's like they have a baseball field that's like right down the street uh, on on the same strip. So, guys, do your history. 
Find out as much as you can about this incident. <clears throat> Listen back to this podcast. Share this podcast. You've been listening to Relationship Stuff 101's podcast here on this May 31st, 2021. I'm your host, Shahir Henderson. With this understanding, combined with your understanding, hopefully we can create a greater understanding. And guys, hopefully you do your due diligence to share this story and don't, do not let the story die out. Do not let the story lie dormant. Share it with your, your children. Tell them to share it with their children. Let it be known what happened May 31st, 1921. So, as I close out, I want to thank you guys again. Make sure you follow Relationship Stuff 101 on Twitter. Follow the Purple Pill Perspective on Instagram. Check out the Purple Pill Perspective on YouTube. Subscribe there. Share this uh, podcast around. Let's try to get it to at least 100, 100 listens. Um, let's get the podcast to 100 monthly listeners, at least 1,000 monthly listeners at the end of the year. Remember Black Wall Street, guys. Remember the Tulsa Massacre. Remember this day, May 31st, 2021. Remember that day, May 31st and June 1st, 1921. As you guys remember that, I'll close out and leave you to the rest of your week. Hopefully you have a great one. And I'll see you in the next podcast. Peace.